This is Critical Thinking Part 8, The Crime of the Century. This Sonic Gravity podcast episode is intended for adult audiences only. It will cover some global developments on the coronavirus pandemic, which involve a discussion of biology and pharmaceutical therapies as I understand them. I am not a doctor or a medical clinician of any kind and offer no medical advice to anyone. This podcast episode is intended for informational and entertainment purposes only. This Sonic Gravity episode has nothing to do with healthcare choices. This episode is about the crime of the century and everything that follows are the facts of the case in the eyes of a madman. I really wanted to do another UFO episode instead of the one I'm doing today. I kind of have this curse I've sort of talked about a little bit. I don't know what you call it, but I have this thing where it's really hard to forget things that I learn. And what that means is a lot of times I just start thinking about stuff that I don't want to think about and it's really hard to stop. And when you think about a crime, you think maybe a B&E or a murder, but what would it be called if someone or a group were responsible for public health knew that there was a safe, natural, cheap, plentiful, accessible, preventative treatment for pennies a dose, and it was also a therapeutic treatment for all phases of a disease during a global pandemic. That this medicine had won the Nobel Prize in medicine in 2015 and had been used to treat other viruses like dengue, Zika, West Nile virus, influenza, and it was widely known that in October 2020, by congressional testimony, that a miracle cure was available, but it was suppressed. And the doctors who told Congress were booed and ridiculed by the global medical community so the big pharma could could develop a rapid bioengineered vaccine in a year instead of the seven years it normally takes to develop a vaccine and make sure it's safe. And the global medical community, rather than administering this cheap, natural, safe cure, sat on it and made the world wait for an expensive new vaccine for months while millions of people across the globe died. The word crime doesn't seem to quite cover it, does it? And for me, it was kind of like Luke Skywalker in episode four of Star Wars when Luke and Obi-Wan roll up on the slaughtered Jawas and then Luke says, but if they trace the robots here then they could have learned who they sold them to and that would lead them back home and that's kind of what happened to me this week because i was watching the news this week and what struck me was was that pictures of the rampant covid crisis in india where they were burning people in the street begging for oxygen and vaccines had conspicuously stopped as if a billion voices cried out and were suddenly silenced not a peep, almost as if it was no longer an issue. I realized that I hadn't heard anything about India's COVID crisis and it was just crickets. And sometimes when you hear nothing or you think there should be something there, but you notice it isn't there, sometimes you feel a disturbance in the force. Like remember in episode six, Return of the Jedi, when Lando Calrissian drops out of hyperspace to attack the second Death Star. And we are going to talk about hyperspace again soon. I'm not done with those UFO episodes, but they're screaming towards the second Death Star that's orbiting the forest moon of Endor. And Lando says, we've got to be able to get some kind of reading on that shield, up or down. How can they be jamming us if they, if they don't know we're coming? Break off the attack. The shield is still up. Pull up. All craft, pull up. And then on the command ship, you hear Yeoman Johnson say, Admiral, we've got enemy ships in Sector 3-7. And Admiral Akbar says, it's a trap. And in my mind, that's what it was. It was a disturbance in the force. It was the silence, the jamming the status of COVID in India. I would have heard from the news one way or the other. Was it all better in India or was it still bad? And there was nothing. It was dominating the news for weeks and then just went straight away and was silence. It reminded me of the complete media blackout of Bernie Sanders' 2016 Democratic primary campaign. 
Every news outlet was pretending that there was just nothing to see and there was nothing there. That there was just nothing happening in India anymore. And I hate it when I do this and I need to be careful because I'm a bipolar autistic psychopath with PTSD so it's not uncommon for me to start seeing the enemy when things look kind of a little weird and nutty. And it was weird because we're being bombarded with this Indian COVID crisis and then it was just straight radio silence. So I thought well if this is really still bad over there then maybe we just got tired of hearing about it and so they stopped talking about it but nope it was miraculous. It was unthinkable how sharply India had turned their pandemic around. They stopped it in its tracks in just a few weeks and the silence about it was deafening. So I looked it up. I tried to find out what India had done in the past three weeks to completely 180 their whole COVID situation, for the most part with no vaccines at all. Weird, right? It was so miraculous a turnaround. You, I mean, look it up for yourself on the chart. Just Google India COVID and you'll see a complete reversal of the infection trend. Peaking exponentially and then it just corners and drops. And the news said nothing about it, which was weird. I had to check myself and make sure my cowboy wasn't coming out. Like, how can they be jamming ivermectin if they don't know about it? Because if somebody knew that one of the safest proven and tested drugs for over 40 years that was all natural, super cheap, and accessible to every country in the world, produced globally everywhere, if this was curing COVID in India, and it was, and certain states in India had eradicated COVID in just a few weeks, why isn't the media showcasing it. Why isn't anybody talking about it? And I googled it and the first thing I started reading there was a deafening chorus of resistance about how there's no clinical study tying the use of the drug ivermectin to India's complete reversal of their situation and correlation isn't causality and this chorus of people and officials and pharmaceutical companies coming out against ivermectin was astonishing. Even Merck, the original patent holder of ivermectin, tried to say that it hasn't been clinically studied, which is total bullshit. There's something called a native study. A native study of millions and millions of people is infinitely more informative than 100,000 participant randomized double-blind placebo-controlled anything. When an entire state of 18 million people are burning people in the street, like in Delhi, and then they all take mandatory ivermectin and the total infected people in Delhi is cut by 97% in four weeks. That's fucking amazing and conclusive irrefutable proof of efficacy. Random causality curing 97% of 18 million is mathematically impossible. Anyone who says correlation is not causation when 18 million people are given the same cheap effective Nobel Prize winning super safe tested medicine and are all practically cured. Anyone who says that's not proof of causality is stupid. But there's even more to that because another Indian state, Tripura, outlawed ivermectin at the same time following the guidance of the World Health Organization and the United States Center for Disease Control that ivermectin not be administered unless it's just in a clinical study and their infections increased 828% over the same four-week period during which time Delhi eradicated 97% of their COVID cases. But we all need to be self-aware, right? Maybe we're getting out of our depth. Just because we're a genius doesn't mean we're doctors. So I started looking to see if there were any other doctors who were sounding the alarm, saying that all these health services should be administering ivermectin like India did. And it turns out that Dr. Pierre Corey, the world's foremost chest radiologist in the world, testified before Congress that ivermectin was a miracle drug. The best chest doc in the world told the United States Congress that ivermectin was a miracle drug and that everybody had it and we could administer it to everyone and shut this pandemic down in its tracks and he was fucking booed off the stage by big pharma, congressional representatives, hospitals, and the entire medical community 
attacked him. So he and a bunch of other preeminent physicians started a band of rebel field clinicians and experts in their field called the Frontline COVID-19 Critical Care Alliance. But the thing that's really gross, the worst part of this whole thing, is that Dr. Corey told Congress about ivermectin and how it was a miracle cure, and he told him in October of 2020. So I decided that I need to discover who was lying. I was going to think critically because there's no way that so many doctors on either side, either the 10 amazing experts on the FLCCC on one side, or the CDC, FDA, the Pharmaceutical Industrial Complex, the US Congress, and yes, the media with Dr. Sanjay Gupta and Dr. Jen Ashton. There's no way that either of those two groups is that incompetent. I'm not going to give them that out. So we begin with the binary mutually exclusive proposition that either ivermectin is a miracle drug capable of eradicating COVID or it isn't. And that is a fact. But the implication is that between the FLCCC and the global health industry, one of them is right and one of them is criminal by either intent or incompetence. It doesn't matter which. One of them has the health of the human race at heart and the other is criminally evil and or criminally incompetent. I already know who it is, but I'm going to force myself to be objective anyway. Now the FLCCC has stated unequivocally that ivermectin is a miracle drug and is efficacious and safe. They've collected 50 studies on their website, many of them statistically significant, randomized, double-blind, controlled drug studies attesting to ivermectin sufficiency. And Merck, the pharmaceutical industrial complex, the CDC, the FDA, the World Health Organization, TV, doctors, and print media are publishing stories about how ivermectin should only be used in clinical studies. They claim it hasn't been studied, which isn't true if they go the FLCCC website and the FDA guidance is that it hasn't been clinically studied which isn't true and they have a picture of a horse on their guidance and they talk about how people who have self-medicated with livestock grade ivermectin have experienced toxic levels of ivermectin and suggest that it's not safe. Duh. Which is probably true if people are taking livestock medicine without the supervision of a physician. So just so everyone is on the same sheet of music and we can make sure that the FDA knows what we're all talking about, we're going to make sure that for this critical thinking analysis, we're confining our discussion to the responsible administration of prescription medication to a patient given informed consent under the supervision of a qualified clinician. We're not talking about horses and we're not talking about horse medication. But I noticed that nobody in the global health empire is daring to say that ivermectin doesn't work. They're just saying that they haven't done the homework on it. But the pharmaceutical industrial complex is only saying that they haven't studied it. They're not saying it hasn't been studied. And the FDA isn't saying that ivermectin is bad for you. They're just saying if you take horse ivermectin, you can get toxic levels of ivermectin. And the pharmaceutical industrial complex is just saying that they haven't studied it. But why would they, right? Where's the money that will pay for a study like that so that an old drug that nobody can profit from can get repurposed to save the human race. Where's the profit in that? There's a structural fatal flaw I think in our healthcare and our pharmaceutical system that is something that we're going to need to address in another episode. But so those are the two slides. The global health empire versus the 10 doctor rebel alliance the frontline COVID-19 critical care alliance. One of them is right fighting for the lives of the world and the other is criminal 
fighting for themselves. So we need to talk about how these drugs, ivermectin and the messenger RNA virus immunizations work, and the infection mechanisms of the virus, which are the spike proteins. Now we'll cover ivermectin first because it's really fast and not very complicated. So ivermectin's mechanism for fighting the virus on some level is fairly straightforward. In parasites and worms, ivermectin just paralyzes them and that's it. It just paralyzes them and they die. Humans tolerate ivermectin really well because the blood-brain barrier keeps ivermectin from affecting our brains. We're going to talk about these spike proteins, which is how COVID cells inject us with the virus. We'll see that the virus needs to fuse into attack position and they think the same way that ivermectin paralyzes parasites, it paralyzes the virus when it enters our system. And some people think that ivermectin locks up the virus cell and the virus can't inject us with the viral RNA it uses to replicate. So they think ivermectin pretty much just tapes the virus's mouth shut so it can't bite us. It's just that simple. And it's been totally studied. It's safe. It's naturally occurring and we have 40 years of usage data on ivermectin. Now the vaccines on the other hand work by injecting us with spike proteins so that our bodies get a chance to get used to them and know what they look like so when the virus tries to infect us our bodies will detect and recognize the spike protein of the virus and attack the virus before it can infect us. They do that by injecting us with these virus spike proteins so we need to cover a little biology so we're all on the same page so look at the cover art on this episode you see the picture of the virus cell there? A spike protein is the nubby stick that pokes out of the virus cell and all around of it and those spike proteins exist in one of two states. Unfused and fused. Unfused is chill mode. Fused is attack mode. So take your hand and make a fist. When you think about your fist, picture your arm and your fist as one of those little clubs that stick out on the coronavirus cell. Now open your hand like a claw. That's called a fused spike protein and that's the attack mode of the virus. So when the virus enters the body, it's unfused, which is definitely the form that we want our immune system to detect. A fused spike protein has already delivered its viral payload of poison. So there are two parts or domains to a viral spike protein, the S1 domain and the S2 domain. The S1 domain part of the spike protein, that's like the tip of the spike and the S2 part of the protein is kind of like the shaft on the picture, right? Now the S1 domain is a trimatic domain so to speak and there's three parts to the trigger comprised by a non-terminal domain, the receptor binding domain, and the motif binding domain. Essentially this S1 domain is the trigger plate of the spike protein. When that receptor binding domain, which is sort of the trigger plate, binds to the ACE2 protein on the surface of our cells, okay then it's gonna stick and then our own T MPRSS2, a protolytic protein on the surface of our cells, our cells essentially are going to cut the S1 away from the rest of the virus. So the S1 piece of the viral spike protein is going to stick to us and then our own cell is going to chop that um, S1 domain away from the S2 domain. And that's just like a tripwire. The spike comes out and it jams our cell and delivers its viral RNA which starts to unbuild our cells and build virus DNA out of our material. And so our own cells actually cut the cap off the spike and that's what triggers the trap. So there's a term called cytotoxicity. Cytotoxicity is the quality of being toxic to our cells. So when we have an activated immune system, our T cells or immune response is cytotoxic. It's cytotoxic to kill our infection. So COVID is a virus of phases. The first few days it's a regular viral infection, but at day five or six, that's when people start losing their oxygen. Their lungs get inflamed because of their own immune response. The macro 
macrophage is like an amoeba-like scavenger, sort of the front line of our immune response. And that cell tries to capture whatever it can to kind of like scoop everything up. And so it's trying to capture essentially the debris of the virus. And the macrophage attack our own lungs. And so sometimes that's when you hear, you hear an immune response storm. And it's when these macrophages start going crazy to sort of pick up all the little used and dead pieces and parts of the virus proteins that are just kind of laying around inside of us. Our own immune system response is actually what's filling our lungs and killing us when we die of COVID pneumonia. So one of the best lung docs and experienced field clinicians, Dr. Pierre Corey, who published 10 papers on COVID. Dr. Corey is the most prominent and respected, probably the very top chest radiologist in the world, who in late 2020 testified before Congress. He, he realized that it wasn't the viral infection, so to speak, that was killing everyone. It was their immune response that was killing them. And Dr. Corey began to put COVID patients on cortical steroids to suppress their immune response, which was what was killing patients. And there were too many patients that were developing blood clots. So Corey also prescribed uh, anticoagulants. And Dr. Corey was interviewed by Brett Weinstein on June 6, 2021. He described the medical intellectual authoritarianism where leaders of hospitals and the NIH and the CDC and the WHO were telling field clinicians and doctors on the front line how they could and couldn't treat their patients. And in the next episode of this two-part series, we're going to talk about Big Pharma and the media, and we're going to talk about everything that they know that they're not telling us and everything that they don't know that they're not telling us. And by the end of the next episode, you will realize that you have glimpsed the universe through the eyes of a madman and seen that we are the victims of the crime of the century, and that is a fact. Thank you.